I'll go to preaching like, you know, the Amazon and we'll see, uh, you know, 100 get the Holy Ghost or 40 get the Holy Ghost or something like that. Or I'm not I'm not quoting exact numbers, but um, incredible out. But that's not because of me. That's because there were pastors there. That's because there have been a concerted effort of missionaries that have gone before me. Um, and I'm just standing on their shoulders. You know, that's yeah. that that's that's really what's happening. Hello everyone, T-Bain here. Welcome to episode 6 of the Revival Church Podcast. And it is a very special episode this week because it is our first uh, interview episode. And I know it seems like every episode is a first, but it's uh, it's because we're just starting. So uh, everything is everything is new every single time we do it, So, which is awesome. Um, so basically this week, Brother Walksetter is in the great country of Brazil with his daughter and his son-in-law who are missionaries to Brazil and they just had a baby so uh, congratulations to Aaron and Tiffany Anderson Um, I know that that's something that you guys have been wanting for a long time and uh, we're all so happy for you it's awesome Um, so basically this is just going to be an interview uh, with Aaron today and he's going to give you a a brief rundown over what it's like to be a missionary in Brazil, um, and uh, you're really going to enjoy it. There's a lot of great information in here. Um, just before before we get that underway, I just wanted to uh, remind you guys to go ahead and give us a five-star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, to like and subscribe and all that good stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and also... Uh, Go ahead and give us a like on Facebook and email any suggestions or questions to revivalchurchpodcast at gmail.com. So without any further ado, here is uh, an interview with Aaron Anderson. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Walkstetter, the Associate Pastor of Revival Church. And we have a special guest here today, or I should say I'm with a special guest today. A little bit south of normally where we meet for our podcast, I'm down in South America. I'm down in Brazil, Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I'm with uh, Aaron Anderson, the UPCI missionary to Brazil. Hi, Aaron. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Good. And we're here for kind of an important event in both of our lives. Can you tell us what event that event was? Well, um, I think it was... Uh, the birth of my son <laughs> yes. on June 29th. Yeah. We're excited about that. Yeah. We just had the opportunity to, Sister Walkstetter and I had the opportunity to slip down. Uh, your wife is our daughter, right? Yeah. She can be it sometimes. Yeah. So that, that means that uh, your son is my grandson, which is totally awesome. Yes. He's a little, our little Brazilian American. A little MK. Yes. Missionary kid. And for some reason, it's easier for me to come down, down there right now than it is for you to come up to us. Yeah, that's that's the unfortunate thing right now. Um, you know, Brazil. So he's a he's a Brazilian citizen being born here. Um, he's also an American citizen because we're American citizens. But uh, because of COVID and everything, there the uh, U.S. consulate's not processing. Uh, his passports, so he couldn't go to the United States if he wanted to. But Brazil has opened its borders recently and is allowing uh, foreigners to come down. So we're definitely thankful and grateful that, um, you know, you all have been able to come down and see us and see your grandson. 
Yeah, and of course we would try to paint a picture in which uh, we would tell you you'd live a pitiful life, but we're on the 24th floor of a wonderful apartment. Yeah. It's small by American standards, but large by Brazilian standards, I'm sure. Nice two-bedroom apartment and overlooking uh, the beautiful city of Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about Brazil? I mean, most people, all they know about is from like three caballeros right. they saw on Disney or something. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, Brazil is, is, is an incredible country. Um, it's the majority of South America when you look at it. Brazil touches every other country in South America besides Chile, if I'm not mistaken. Um it's the only country uh, here in Latin America that speaks Portuguese instead of Spanish, um, you know, which contrary to popular opinion, some opinion, uh, it's different than Spanish. It's not a dialect of Spanish. It's, an, it's another language. Um, a little bit. Yeah. Brazil's, Brazil's uh, you know, from northern to southern to central is just very diverse in terms of population, culture, um, weather. Uh, all of that, we have everything from, you know, obviously the Amazon rainforest to we have deserts uh, and we have the Atlantic rainforest. And uh, we have areas in Brazil where it actually snows. We're in winter right now because it's the southern hemisphere. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an incredible country. It's the fifth largest country in the world at 210 million people. Um, and in reality, Brazil accounts for over half of the population of Latin of, of South America. So wow. Um, really over half of the people in South America speak Portuguese and not Spanish uh, as their first language. It's a, it's a really incredible place that we've grown to love in our past no. at least six years here. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, can you shoot some numbers at me in regards to like, um, like distance or something like that so people can get an idea of how long we're talking? Like I hear a lot about the Amazon rainforest yeah. and – like I know Manaus is is big there, particularly with the United Pentecostal yeah. Church. That's where Brother Demerchant was. But can you tell us approximately, like how far are we right now from Manaus? Yeah, so Manaus is really far away. Uh, I think people don't realize that. But from Sao Paulo, where we're at, it's a non a nonstop flight. You're running about four hours. So if I were to go to Manaus, it's about four hour nonstop flight, and from Manaus is another four hour nonstop flight into Miami. So it's kind of the halfway point almost between America. That's pretty incredible. Uh, so you're as close to Manaus from Miami pretty much as you are from Sao Paulo. And Sao Paulo is not the furthest south, and Manaus is not even the furthest north. So geographically, Brazil is the size of the United States of America without Alaska. Um, so if you were to transpose Brazil onto a map of America, um, you would have basically from south to north, if you could think of Brazil on a map and just over – lapping United States of America, it would go from Mexico City all the way up to Winnipeg. Wow. Uh, that would be the south to north, you know, length of it. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's definitely a big country. There's 26 state, states, and I know a lot of people just think of Rio and the Amazon, and those are two states of the 26, including the federal district. And we're in a state right now. Yes, Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is the capital of Sao Paulo, the state of Sao Paulo. Yes, exactly. Kind of like New York, New York. Yeah, so New York, New York, Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo. Um, so it's a state and a city. So uh, in the state of Sao Paulo, you're you're looking at about 40, 42, 44 million people. So larger in population than even the state of California or Texas. Um, over 20% of the country lives in the state of Sao Paulo. Uh, the city that we're in right now that we could see out of our apartment in this 
you know, podcasts, uh, Metropolitan, you're looking at about 23 million. So it's coming in at the largest currently uh, in South America. Now, before my podcasters stop me too far, I do know that Albany is actually the capital of New York, but I was just making the reference <laughs> to New York, New York. And uh, how many people live in Brazil total? Yeah, two about 210 million. 210 million. So yeah. that stacks up right about maybe two-thirds of America. Yeah, right there. So America's about 330 million or so. And America like comes at number three. I believe Indonesia's number four, and then Brazil's number five. In, in the, world population? In world population, yeah. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. And this is... Sao Paulo, as you mentioned here, on the 24th floor, yeah. uh, overlooking 360 degree, even though yeah. we can't see that from your apartment, we can only see uh, two sides. Right. So it's a corner apartment, everybody, really nice. But, um, a penthouse. <laughs> Not really. Not really. Please don't stop your PA. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is a, a gorgeous city, yeah. and, uh, you know, the 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 various aspects of the city. And, and it's not just uh, people that speak Portuguese right. in regards to that. It, it's an international city, isn't it? Yeah. So um, the city was built on immigration, really like America was built on immigration. Uh, there was a great Italian immigration. Uh, the same time it was happening to in America, Italian immigration, it was also happening here in Brazil. They say 80 years ago, about half of the city of Sao Paulo spoke Italian as their first language. Uh, the owner of our apartment here, uh, he's an Italian citizen, uh, our doctor that delivered the baby. She's also a dual citizen to Italy and Brazil. Uh, so you have a lot of Italians, not just that, but um, also Japanese. In the city of Sao Paulo, you have right at around a million people of Japanese descendant um, that came to Brazil really after slavery was abolished. And slavery was abolished here in 1899, so really wow. late in the game. Uh, Japanese came in as... Uh, just harder labor, and then you have an Arab immigration, like the mayor of the city of Sao Paulo. Uh, his parents were born and raised in Lebanon. Um, you have a lot of um, Arabs in the city and a lot of mixture um, of that. You you have just pretty much a, a melting pot here for sure. You have Polish people. We have a large, even Orthodox Jewish community in the center of the city, mostly from Russia uh, as well. So just things that people kind of don't think about. And Brazil in of itself at 210 million people um, statistically is the second largest, you know, African or black nation in the world after Nigeria. Wow. Um, so you have a significant population as well. Now, obviously, with a, with a nation that large and a city this large, I'm sure we said you were a missionary. I'm sure there are hundreds or dozens, scores of United Pentecostal Church missionaries to South America or to Brazil? Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> no, not, not, not really. Uh, the work started in Brazil in 1957. Uh, Brother Sam Baker, so not Brother Merchant. Brother Merchant would have come around about eight years later. But Sam Baker came down via Uruguay in the south and really started the church actually in Sao Paulo. So we have uh, some buildings here that were started in 1959, some of the oldest in the UPC of Brazil. Uh, currently, though, uh, we have, uh, you know, two missionaries that are currently appointed here on the ground, ourselves and the Coopers, also Sister Ivana and um, the Walmers, the Walmers on deputation as well, the missionaries to Uruguay and to Brazil. So you, you, you've got the few of you, the work's been going on here for 60, 70 years, something along yeah. that line. 
and kind of throw some numbers if you have of yeah. the constituents and how how you would stack up to say some of the the works in not to compare apples to oranges but say the works compared to other yeah. parts of the world including the u.s yeah so um you know brazil it was it was slow going at first like any work is um when brother the merchant arrived into the amazon in 1964 that was a that was definitely a um just a, a riptide effect in the nation uh, and also Brother Norris and Rio, who started the Bible school and began to train ministers. And they really worked together on that. And many uh, of the souls that Brother Demerchant would be winning, he would be sending to Rio to go to the Bible school. And uh, many of those are now uh, pastors and district presidents around Brazil. So um, now in the country of Brazil, we have right at around 900 uh, churches and preaching points around the country. Uh, we have now constituency is a funny number. Uh, constituency really doesn't mean members, how many people you have. It, it, it kind of means how many people look to your church as their church. Okay. So we know that that number, you know, varies greatly. Now, when we say your church, they, it's they call different, you. It's a different than the United Pentecostal Church International. You are actually called? Igreja Pentecostal Unida do Brasil. So the United Pentecostal Church of Brazil. Okay. And so... It's a little bit, it's a sister organization, if you can think of it that way. Yeah, so it's it's independent, really, in all rights uh, of its, you know, uh, we're here at the behest of the national church. Okay. Uh, the missionaries, we work uh, together with them, so in no way, you know, now, they've, now they're gracious and kind, and they um, include us in on many, you know, uh, things and uh, really ask for our help, and they've just been incredible hosts in that sense. But the church in of itself is an independent church from the United States Church. So basically, you know, our us and Brother Howell and Brother Bernard, they don't tell the national church what to do. Now, there are articles of faith and things that are affirmed by the global council that meets every two years. Uh, by which, all of us, by, by your organization and their organization. Or, yeah. So our the, organizations, because I'm also a minister of the United Pentecostal right. Church International, and as well as IPUBI. Yeah. Well, apart, is, that's what they call it here, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah, Igreja Pentecostal do Brasil, IPUBI. IPUBI. Yeah. So a lot of people don't, you know, probably don't understand how the world really works in this in this sense. But basically, when a missionary goes to start a work, so Brother Baker and Brother Demerchant and Brother Norris, the first missionaries to Brazil, um, it's a uh, it's it's completely uh, tied in with the international church in America uh, to the point because it's not really. Uh, you know, gained its its independence yet, if you if you will. They're not strong enough. They don't have um, really the the business or wherewithal. And without international help, they're going to cease and die. But the objective of the UPCI is that every church, when we go in to start a church or works in a nation, that they will mature and grow and, and really begin to govern. So they'll become self-governing and really self-propitiating. So they don't have to call Brother Hal and say, hey, we need, we need mailing envelopes and staples right. and all these kind of things. They have their own uh, governance. They have their own boards. They uh, make their own elections for district and national officials. Um, and now what, now what ties them into the UPCI of America um, is the Global Council. So the UPCI of America uh, has two delegates as well as Brazil and as well as every other nation that has a United Pentecostal Church uh, structure and uh, nationalized work. And they gather together, and there's the articles of faith uh, that are affirmed and that are signed by the leaders. Sure. Uh, and these are the things that tie us together, and they're general, and you know, and they 
and they're meant to go across cultural boundaries and all of that to not be too restrictive, but also to really maintain and preserve apostolic identity. Now, with all of that, considering how strong the work is here and how long it's been here, some would ask, like, why do we still need missionaries right. in, in a place like this if, if you know, yeah. why do we need missionaries, <laughs> yeah. UPCI missionaries to Brazil? Right. Um, well, justify your existence, young okay. man. All right, I'm going to put on the spot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, well, it, it is a great question, and we have to really be asking that question as missionaries to to figure out why we are here. Um, but it, it is important that we're here. Um, so there's there's a twofold, uh, I think, working of global missions. There's there's one in which we are we are racing to reach. I think we have 17 nations and territories left to reach. Uh, we have access challenge nations and places that if you go to, you'll never uh, be on the map or be on the website or anything. You'll be kind of undercover. Uh, and that's fantastic, and that's that's what we need to do. Then we also have uh, missionaries that are going into reached works to continue reaching in those works. So, you know, in Europe, we have works that have been around for a long time. However, we have so many cities, like you go to Germany and France and England, that don't have an apostolic witness. Like, even though we have 900 churches and preaching points in the nation of Brazil, uh, 600 of those are in the Amazon. And the Amazon is to Brazil what Alaska is to America. Like most Brazilians here in like Sao Paulo are amazed that I go to the Amazon like three or four times a year because they'll never go to the Amazon in their entire life. Wow. Because it's so far away. It's kind of like Alaska. It's like, ah, that's that's crazy. Um, and that's where most of our churches are located, and we have churches on, you know, riverbanks and all that. So I would say there, you know, we go, I go there for meetings and things like that. But the church is so strong and is is going at such a rate in which they honestly, I don't think, really need a missionary present there. Um, but we also have many cities that are unreached, like São Paulo. We have Rio that are unreached, uh, Brasilia um, that are just massive cities, like. When we were driving, you know, us, our family, we took a little hop up to Rio. Uh, it's, it's close to something For the work of the kingdom, folks. Yes. <laughs> well, we passed, you know, a uh, few cities, one of a one and a half million people, another of 700,000, another 500,000. And all these cities don't have any apostolic work, any, any oneness work. Uh, so that's a part of the reason why we're here. One is to really uh, move the work into this next stage of actually reaching every city and town and and uh, with the gospel. And then also another work is that, another aspect of our work is that we're ambassadors. Um, so we've lost works. The United Pentecostal Church is no secret. You know, I'm not saying anything that's, I'm not going to go into any detail, but we've lost works in the past, meaning uh, that national churches are, like I said, completely independent. Uh, so the moment they decide and their national board uh, and then it's ratified by the ministers in a general conference. Hey, we're you know turning off from the UPCI. It's been fun, but we're going to be our own thing. They have every right to do that. So a part of what we are too are goodwill ambassadors. Uh, we're providing a connection between them and the international church. Um, so you know, like last year, I was going with our national leaders, our two delegates. Uh, our national president, our national treasurer to Miami for meetings in Latin America. And I was helping translate and I was supposed to have gone to global council this year in St. Louis, but it was canceled uh, because of COVID. Um, and a lot of these, a lot of the things that we're doing is basically because if we don't, if we don't take precautionary measures 
we'll get to the point where we think in America, hey, everything's good in Brazil. They don't need missionaries. But in Brazil, the feeling will be, man, you know, they were all about us. They came down and started the churches. They preached our conferences. And then all of a sudden, they just abandoned us. They just, you know, got out of town. They don't yeah. call us. They don't text us. Uh, they're not seeing how we're doing. And it's not because we're, we're in America, we're being mean to them, but we, we just feel like, hey, they're doing great. So when a missionary provides this contact, so um, a pastor, a national leader has come, and they will come and say, hey, I'd like, to, I'd like to, for you to talk to uh, Brother Schwartz, our regional director, or someone about this and this and that, uh, and we can provide this point of contact. So basically, there's more connections, and the more connections there are, the stronger uh, really the relationship between the United States, the mother church, because this church was started by the UPCI of America. Mother now slash big brother, I guess you'd sort of say. Right. In, in a positive sense. Not exactly. And, and, and I think that's a perfect way to put it. Um, you know, it's the big brother church in terms of just not like watching over you, but uh, in a bad way, but to help you along the way. Um, and the UPC provides incredible um, assistance, like Mother's Memorial. Um, they've, we have, we have 3,000 Bible school students in Brazil. Um, and a lot of that is due to Mother's Memorial. We have incredible Bible schools that have put out great preachers. And when you give them Mother's Memorial, part of that goes, and we petition for funds from Mother's Memorial to help go into the Bible schools. And we're able to sponsor people, uh, that come from just incredibly poor backgrounds that would never be able to go to Bible school to go to Bible school. And we're able to translate books, uh, and do this. So I would say, you know, well, hey, the church is good. So why do that? Why do they need you? Well, one, we still need to reach a lot of cities like Sao Paulo, uh, which is, you know, larger than the entire country of Argentina. Um, and we don't we have 25 churches in the state of Sao Paulo. We still need to reach the city uh, and we need to, you know, um, just stand next to our, our national leaders and work with them. Um, not yeah. working for them or above them or below, but working with them and uh, creating a positive, you know, harmony in which we can, uh, you know, continue to grow together and not lose works. So speaking of Sao Paulo itself as a city, I know that you're trying to start a couple of works here uh, in various neighborhoods and, and things like that. One of them's really not too far from here. You can actually... Uh, from where you live, you can look out and sort of see uh, the neighborhood. You can see uh, some buildings that are around the, the very storefront that you're trying to start. What is, what is it like to start a church, A, in this massive city, and B, to really kind of start a church in time of COVID, oh, the yeah. COVID-19 <laughs> thing? Like, like how have you become – what's COVID like? We, we hear a lot in America about, you know, sickness in Brazil – yeah. And that kind of thing, and and talk a little bit about like how Brazil is dealing with COVID and how the churches are dealing with it, right? That kind of thing. Um, yeah, so we are starting two works uh, in in the city of São Paulo. Um, at the same time, uh, really, we started last year in a hotel building, and um, <clears throat> we made a lot of good contacts and all of that. So we were able to move into a, a permanent location in the beginning of this year, and we opened up for services. And three weeks later. You know, everything just grinded to a halt around the world and uh, restrictions were put into place and, you know, services, we went to online only uh, and had to really overhaul the dynamic of our, of the way we do church for sure. Uh, and the church in the northern zone that we're starting as well was an offshoot of the church we started in uh, the center. So we see kind of, some Paul, there, there are people that come in to work 
and the center, and they go out to the, you know, you would call it in Spanish, barrios or neighborhoods or bairros in Portuguese, uh, to where they live. Um, so we have points of contact, and we went to this northern zone part, uh, and we began to do services in a in an upper part of a house, this um, this kind of upper room, if you will, of someone's house. And every time we would go and do services, it was 30, 40 people just coming in, and it, there was this incredible hunger. So I said, you know, we, we have to do something. We need to uh, just go ahead and pull the trigger and uh, start a church here as well. So it's been a diff- it's been different for sure uh, during COVID, and there are some more stresses uh, that are put on financially. But I just think that as a missionary, uh, there has to be a practicality of, to what we do. It can't just be pie in the sky. I'm in meetings all the time. You know, hey, we're doing Bible school stuff and going to conferences. And because if we wanted to, we could we could fill our entire time and schedule up just with that. Sure. But I think there has to be a practicality of uh, of Paul going through Ephesus and kind of setting up camp there for a while and then passing it off and sending a Timothy over and saying, okay, now you you kind of you kind of watch over the work for a little while. Now, one of the things we've noticed since we've been here is. Like every time I go into a, a, a restaurant of any real note, like they've taken my temperature, there's somebody inspecting me at that point. Right. I have a mask on like all the time when I'm in, I take it off here in the apartment. Yeah. But outside, I take it from, from the apartment to the car. I can take it off in the car for a little while, but then pretty much as soon as I get out of the car, I, I walk you through the neighborhood. Right. And, and, and not just me, right? Yeah. I mean, Everybody, yeah, yeah. It's 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 really, it's really wild to see uh, children playing soccer, uh, yeah. wearing masks and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different culture, um, and people are are more receptive to these sort of inconveniences, I would say, than in America. I don't want to push any hot buttons <laughs> or be controversial yeah. because That's everybody else is pushing every obviously hot Obviously, we're not the purpose of our podcast to be controversial. <laughs> I don't know about yeah, no. it. it uh, you know, I'm just saying there there are hills in which we should die on. And I don't think Brazilians are ready to die on the hill of masks like some <laughs> are in America. Um, so it's just kind of like, you know, if opening up restaurants and businesses and churches – means we have to wear a mask then so be it let's we have to get to work we have to provide bread on the table uh because i think we don't realize in america too how how intense the economic ramifications of this are not just to us especially not to us because we're a rich country but to countries that don't have the credit that the united states of america have right and um and the amount of effect that has gone in so anyways i think that there's just they have too many practical problems to deal with than to just be whining and complaining and just you know hey i'm this is my personal right and and just being a jerk so everybody yeah, and, kind and of just i mean it's it. like people running in the park many of them are wearing masks and, and yeah. that kind of thing it's just it's it's quite interesting for me as as an american uh yeah. during this period of time and i think it, it I, deals with to just you know there have been military dictatorship in brazil um i mean Basically, until I was born, there was a military dictatorship. So 30 years ago, it ended. Um, so I think people kind of know the drill. Now, freedoms and liberties are very big here, the same freedoms and liberties. But um, it's it's not it's not this intense, just crazy thing. Uh, so I'm thankful for that. Like in our church, uh, we require masks. We have temperature uh, thing. And 
everybody has to use the sanitizer and yeah. sit. Like even if they're in a family, everybody's I, I noticed sitting we in chairs. Went, we, the other night we had the pleasure of going to a person's home in one of those neighborhoods you were yeah. talking about and setting up a portable baptismal tank and baptizing a lady. And pretty much the entire time, everyone had masks on and yeah. uh, that type of thing. We were we were basically in a home. Right. And I think it's kind of like, you know, I'm going to put a mask on, not so that I'm not going to get sick. That's not what it's for. But I'm I'm going to put it on because I'm going to put you at ease, you know, yeah. like because I know we're going to be together in a home and it's going to be tight. So I think that's kind of the thought behind it. It's like, hey, I'm going to put it on so that I'm not breathing on you. And and this is a, I think, you know, like I said, it really hits home with the idea of pandemic. We throw that word around and yet we talk about it as Americans and sometimes it's only affecting us. Right. Without recognizing pandemic means it is everywhere. Pan, yeah, it's like Pan American so, Airlines. And it's, but honestly, <laughs> Brazil has opened up really grants about six weeks. Brazil started opening up the week he was born, six weeks ago, uh, the restaurants and things like that. But they're opening up with restrictions of, of occupancy and masks and all this kind of stuff. And there are some fines and, and things in place to, to really enforce it. Um, but now with, with COVID expanding, COVID's actually gone out of the city and is not really in the city at all. So it's kind of like, so we've been six weeks and the numbers are steadily in, in the city of Sao Paulo going down, whereas in other neighborhoods that aren't really doing that same thing, are it's, 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 it's going up. All right. So obviously one of the things we're talking about with this, uh, I know part of this is very interesting to me because of my connection uh, to, to Brazil and then... Uh, our church has a, a, a youth group that's coming down uh, next year to help Yes, as a missions trip. And you all can uh, help the young people of Revival Church uh, do that. But uh, I guess part of the question would be how, how can we best help you do your job or help the Church of Brazil? Or what are ways, things that we can pray for or give toward or... Any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, you know, obviously prayer is is such an important aspect. And we get messages all the time from all around America of people who are praying for us. And there are moments and times um, that when we're opening up a church in the city of Sao Paulo and in a neighborhood like Brasilândia, uh, which is, you know, a favela community, like a slum community, um, there are spiritual attacks and there are just things that come against us. Um, so your prayers, you know, against darkness and uh, for our health and for our peace and all of that, those things make such huge differences in the practicality of what we do. And we feel those uh, prayers and we're able to operate under, you know, this cloud of, of witnesses really that are uplifting us here in Brazil and in America. Um, there's a reason why there's never been a church in the in the city of Sao Paulo, you know, and it's not because people haven't tried um, so that's, that's one thing. And then also practically, um, just praying, just praying for open doors, uh, people that are going to be key in starting a church. You know, I think sometimes we think, oh, overseas, it's just easy, you know, cause sometimes in Brazil, it does make it look easy, but it's never easy. Like it'll be easy. I'll go to preach in, uh, I'll go to preach in like, you know, the Amazon and we'll see, uh, you know, a hundred get the Holy Ghost, or forty get the Holy Ghost, or something like that. Or I'm not, I, I'm not quoting exact numbers, but um, 
incredible out, but that's not because of me. That's because there were pastors there. That's because there have been a concerted effort of missionaries that have gone before me. Um, and I'm just standing on their shoulders. You know, that's, yeah. that, that's, that's really what's happening. Um, so the first thing is we, we can't think that it's just easy for like, it's hard to start a church. Uh, there are flaky people in Brazil. Like there are flaky people in, in, in America. Uh, that's just how it is. Like yeah. sometimes people just don't show up. They don't want to help. Sometimes imagine this, they just want to be carnal and stay at home and watch Netflix. Can you, <laughs> can you believe that? Can you believe the audacity of these people? Um, so it's, it's just hard work. However you cut it, Brazilian people are very kind, which allows it maybe to be easier, uh, because they're so just receptive. Uh, but either way it's hard. Um, and then also just, uh, uh, pray for new open doors. We're, there's a few things we're pursuing right now, and we're excited that you know the youth uh, from Revival Church are going to be coming down uh, next year. We're hoping to have uh, some projects kind of uh, already running uh, by then to to really help. Uh, one of those is outside of the city because here in the city we have a lot of we have a drug issue, crack, cocaine issue, and a lot of homeless and people that come into the church that honestly. You know, yeah, they need prayer and they need a hug, but they they need a change of scenery uh, because whether you pray them through the Holy Ghost or not, if they have to go back to that cardboard tent under the bridge with their coked out friends, chances are they're going to return back to that. Right. They, 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 they can't just continue on that way. So we have a project in the interior about an hour from Sao Paulo. There's this beautiful piece of land uh that we have access to build onto, and we're wanting to build two homes uh, that are halfway houses for uh, men that are recuperating and that are getting out of that style, that lifestyle of drugs, uh, and doing that. So we have to have one home for who's going to stay there full time uh, and take care of the men that are, you know, coming through. Really, the the churches will be filtering this church and the Brasilândia church will be filtering people. Uh, but when we see that someone's a prime candidate, that man, you know, they just need a change of scenery and you know god's going to do the rest but we have to do our part too when when that happens that's going to be a really positive thing and that's really worked well in brazil it's not a big investment um the church in Curitiba, you know my my in-laws you know you guys were there about five years ago yes. they've done a halfway house too and just in three or four years that's a wonderful church too. it's it's incredible church in three or four years they had a choir of about 17 men that were that were I think I remember. I remember them singing on. Yeah. On, uh, and again, the, it's these 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 Brazilian people are also wonderful. The pastor there uh, actually came up to our youth congress. He wanted to yeah. be a part of our youth <laughs> yeah. congress uh, because they enjoy being, as you talk about that relationship of the yes. of the brother, uh, yeah. the brother church, yeah, the big brother, brother yeah. yeah, where they where people talk about. Uh, uh, like Jonas wanting to come to Youth Congress yeah. and others that have been wanting to come to Youth right. Congress. So, yeah, uh, it's really cool. I mean, there's just a lot of things we can do um, with that and um, just exploring ways. Continue to support you financially. Well, <laughs> someone has to continue say Continue to send your in-laws down to see yes. uh, their daughter and uh, their grandson. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, we, we obviously can't do it without your support. Um, like our, our visas for Brazil, it's like in America, you can't have a, a student visa and then work a job, a corporate job, you know, it's, right. it's one or the other. You have to choose one of those things. Uh, so our missionary visa, that's our job. And 
there is no job we can hold legally in in in, in Brazil. So we're completely much reliant on self-support, but not only that, but also support for the work. Um, and support for the work, you know, just pray, continue to pray for um, our churches that we're starting, the two churches, um, and that those churches will be able to grow and, you know, flourish and, and be everything God intends them to be. And also just uh, for this halfway house project as well that we have uh, going on and that we're hoping to really begin to break ground on soon. Amen. Well, let's, we're going to bring this thing to a close, and I'm going to spring something on you now. If you would happen to have access to maybe a Portuguese Bible or something like that, um, our pastor at the end of our services, he kind of reads a, a version, if you would, of the the priestly blessing from uh, Numbers chapter 6. Um, and he basically, he says something along the line, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. Be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace there in verses 24 through 26. And then, of course, he says in Jesus name, because we're a New Testament version. Is there a way of signing off here that you can kind of do the, the blessing from 24 through 26 upon these great people? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, yeah, so number six, 24 and 26. How do uh, I say it in Portuguese? Número seis, capítulo, uh, capítulo seis, versos uh, 24 e 26, que diz assim, O Senhor te abençoe e te guarde. O Senhor faça resplandecer o seu rosto sobre ti e tenha misericórdia de, de ti. O Senhor levanta sobre ti o seu rosto e te dê a paz. Em nome do Senhor Jesus Cristo. Amém. 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 Well, thank you so much for joining yes, us, thank Aaron, you. and thank you so much for uh, joining us, great people here on the podcast, and hit the subscribe button that's available for you, or however you subscribe, and uh, hope to talk to you again sometime. God bless each and every one of you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Thanks, Glad much. Thank you.